Open lies and hidden truth. So today I want to talk to you about what I think is a really open lie in our society. It's one of the things that's... This is the idea that I can do it. Everybody say, I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I see in children, and especially in little ones, the little ones like the ones that are sitting on Karen's knee, they're, they're just about two years old. They, they begin to de- explore the fact that they've got motor skills and they can actually do things. They can take a spoon and they can put the spoon in the food and they put it in their mouth. And they get fiercely independent because you know, when they've learned to do that, they want to do it all the time. Or they want to take the lid off something or they want to put something. And so they say, I can do it, I can do it. And that you usually want to do it for them because you don't want the mess. But they want to do it. They can do it. And um, then as we go up through life and as we keep on going through life, we've sold this idea that if you believe in yourself, you can do anything you like. And so attached to the fact that you can do something is this idea that you have to believe really strongly that you can do something. You have to believe in yourself. And um, the reality or the truth is that really without God you can't do anything. You may do some things, but it really doesn't amount to much because without God you can't do anything. Jesus is the one who saves us from our sin and Jesus is the one who saves us from ourself. He is the one that is the, 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 he gives us ability to do anything. And so there's those two lies. There's this, I've got to be the best me I can ever be. And I, and I was listening to a guy, a, a, a powerful man preaching just the other day and I listened to one of his sermons and he was preaching about transformation and he was preaching about changing your life. And then he says the most important thing in life is you becoming the best you can be, the best you are. And I, I was waiting to hear um, being more like Jesus and what I got was discovering who you are and being the best you can be, which is a completely different angle to being the best you can be for Jesus and being Jesus to the world. So I want to actually talk to you, tease this idea out and have a look at what this is all about. We live in in a society that has been raised from the 60s and the 70s with this idea of getting a good self-esteem. A lot of books came out about self-esteem, having a good self-image. You know, you can't really get up in life and do anything in life until your self-esteem is good. And if you're not feeling good about yourself, it's generally thought if you don't have a good self-esteem, you'll do bad things. Well, we know that when people study that to find out whether that's true, whether self-esteem is the reason why, if you have a poor self-esteem, then that's the reason why you do bad stuff. They, they studied that and they discovered that poor self-esteem doesn't produce bad stuff in your life. It's when you think that you are the center of the whole world and you don't care about anything else. You are narcissistic in your approach. That's what the word is called. When you think that you're more important than anybody else, you will do really wicked things because you think you're more important than anybody else. You are so self-focused, so self-centered, so selfish. That's what makes it really bad. So conversely, it's not, it's not having a low self-esteem that makes you do stuff. It's thinking that you're more important than you really are. So I'm, I'm entitled to this. I'm entitled to this. That looks like I would like that and I'll steal it because I'm entitled to it because I deserve it. So, so it's not true that having a, a poor self-esteem actually produces bad behaviour. Sin produces bad behaviour and a poor self-esteem has nothing to do with it. So in everyday speech, and every day we look around, we get this idea, and you get that when you see, I mean, what's the most important thing you do with the phone? What is the most important thing you do with the phone? Well, the most important thing you do with the phone is take a selfie. Well, I know you can ring people on and talk to people as well, but the thing that really, really matters is, did you get the... (laughs) 
Oh, seriously. How many selfies you got? To, or when you post that, you post that to your Facebook or you post that to, to Instagram and you post that wherever you can post it. Do you like this? And every you get 150,000 likes for that one and nobody likes that one, you know. Then you count out how many likes you get for when you go like that and how many likes you get when you go like that. And you, and you, you measure them all up and you compare one another with, and you find out whether you really are as good as you really think you are. And you get really upset when people don't like it enough. You get your brothers and sisters to say, well, come and like it because he's getting depressed. Everybody like it for him. So he's feeling good. That's the most important thing. You know, why? Because the three most important people in the world are me, myself, and I. Yeah, me, myself, and I. I, That's the most important. You know, you'll learn, you know, one day it's me, myself, and I. We are the most important people in the whole world, darling. And you know, you've met people like that, haven't you? You're not that sort of person, are you? You're giving and self-sacrificial. You're altruistic. You're looking at others' needs more than your own because you're a good Christian. You are selfless, not selfish. You're not looking for what you can get out of life. You're looking what you can contribute to life. So we know that nobody in this room is narcissistic. (laughs) Okay. In school, you will have seen this. How many people have gone to university and done some, you know, Psych 101 or something, and you would have seen Maslow's hierarchy of need? This is Maslow's hierarchy. So this is what's being taught in our universities as being the basis from which our whole life is premised. Maslow says this. He says, if you've got your physiological needs met, you know, you've got food and clothing and you, and you can keep the food coming in. He says, that's the first step. If you don't have that, you can't really be the best you can be in life. Well, wait a minute. That means if you're starving, it's okay to try any means because you don't, you don't have to be Christ-like when you're starving. You just have to find food. So he says, if you've got your basic needs met, that's good. He says, if you're safe and secure, you've got a house, you've got personal finances, you've got health, and also you can get the next step up to this feeling of self-importance. He says, then if you find somebody who wants to love you, you, I want to be loved by you, by you, by only you. And somebody says, yeah, I want to be loved by you too. And then you've got two lovers together. Oh, we're the next step. We're getting even more close to finding this place where we're discovering ourselves, finding ourselves, exploring ourselves. And if I've got somebody who tells me, I'm great and accepts me and loves me for who I am. Or I'm just about there. And the end of the exercise is I self-actualize. Everybody say that. Self-actualize. I have had people come to me and say to me, listen, I'm just going to take a break from church because I'm going to try and find myself. Well, where did you go? I mean, you're just there. No, no, I want to find myself. Have you lost yourself? Yeah, I want to find myself. What they're saying to you, I want to find myself apart from Jesus. And let me say something to you. You won't find yourself apart from Jesus. You'll find yourself in Christ because the Bible tells us that you are in Christ, hidden in Christ. That's where you are. That's where your life is. Our life is hidden with Christ in God, it says in Colossians chapter 3. If you want to find out where your life is, come to church and discover where your life is hidden. It's hidden in Christ, in God. That's where you find yourself. You go looking out there and there are people looking at everything and doing everything, trying to put stuff in their bodies, trying to alter this state of mind. They're sitting there meditating. They sit there running and doing all kinds of horrible things to themselves. What to do? Find themselves. And they come back and they can't find themselves. They are lost in darkness because they have not God. They are cut off from the source of identity, significance and security because they're cut off from God. You find yourself in Christ. When you find him, you find who you really are because you find out what he created you to be. Amen? So Romans chapter 12 verse 3 It says these things. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you should or you ought, 
But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given to you. So it's actually telling you, don't walk around and, and create an image of yourself that you're better than you really are. I mean, we see Australian Idol tells us that that's a silly thing to do. You've seen there in, in Voice and different those shows when you've watched the TV and seen those shows. You've seen those people stand up and, and they begin to sing. Before they sing, Simon, whatever his name is, and a couple of the others will stand there and say, and what do you want to do? I want to win this competition. Do you think you can win this competition? Yes, I think we can win this competition. Why? Oh, they say, oh, because my friend next door tells me that I've got the best voice she's ever heard. And, something. Okay. and then they begin to sing. And all of a sudden, Simon goes, they're terrible. And they say, and then they get really upset. Why did you do that? I can sing. No, you can't. You can't sing. We couldn't sell any of those records. Please. Thank you for coming, but no, thank you. Is it a no? No from you? It's a no from me? Is it a no from you? It's a no. There's three no's. Sorry. No's. And they walk out, they say, that's not right. I'm, I believe in myself. And, and they, will, they think of themselves more highly than they ought. Well, the Bible says don't do that because that's foolish. Our society says if you believe in yourself, you can do it. So people are running around believing in themselves, believing in themselves, believing in themselves, and conning and deceiving themselves that they're better than they ought. And then they tell everybody else and everybody, who's going to tell them that they've got no clothes on? You heard that story, haven't you, about the, 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 the emperor that wears no clothes? Who hasn't heard that one? Okay, I'll let me tell you the story because it's just there and I'll tell you. This, this story, what is this, a fable? Is it a fable? Is that what you'd call it? It's a, it's a fable. This is an emperor. Hey? It's a true story. <laughs> We know the guy. <laughs> yeah, it's an end joke. There's a, he's an emperor. And he has a tailor, two tailors who are working for him. Now, a tailor is somebody who makes his clothes. And so they want to shame the emperor. So they go and they tell the emperor, they, they, stand up, John. So John's the emperor. Take all your, no. They, they, he takes all his clothes off. And then they say, we have this new garment. And then they say, look at this new garment. And, and somebody in the room says, oh, that's amazing. What a beautiful piece of garment that is. Do you like the colors? Yes. They, do you like the colors? Are they good? Fantastic colors. Let's see what it looks on John. You know, we put it around John. Said, oh, look, it's amazing, isn't it? He's standing there, no clothes on. And he's got a pretend garment around him. Okay, just a little bit here, there. Okay. Oh, that's amazing. Is that amazing? It's wonderful. Is that amazing? Incredible. Everybody around says it's amazing, but we know he's got no clothes on. It's amazing. And he is not even thinking now he's naked. He thinks, I can't see it, but anyway, if they say it's there, it must be there. And so he begins to walk through the city, greeting everybody, saying, hello, how do you do? And everybody, everybody's too ashamed to tell him who's got no clothes on. So he's walking naked through the city and with great prompt and ceremony. And, he's, and everyone's going, does he, does, he's got, oh, and a little boy. It's usually the little boys in life that tell you the things that you need to hear. A little boy says, but he has no clothes on. <laughs> you know, that's life, you know, when we are thinking more highly of uh, who, who's going to tell us, who's going to speak the truth to us in love and tell us, hey, you can't sing. Everybody's scared to do that because it might shame you. But listen. You wouldn't have to do that if you thought, basically thought carefully about what you've got and what you don't have and have a sober understanding, a sober judgment of yourself. That's what it's about. Think about it. You don't need to tell me I can't sing. 
I know I can't sing. How awkward it would be if you had to tell me I can't sing. And I was wanting to sing all the time. <laughs> yes. A.W. Tozer, who's a, who's a bit of a, a thinker, Christian philosopher, he's, he's dead now. I think he died at, when he was 53 years old, so something like that. He died pretty young. He wrote this word. He says, the victorious Christian neither exalts nor downgrades himself. So it's not talking yourself down and it's not talking yourself up. His interests have shifted from himself to Christ. He believes that he has been crucified with Christ and he is not willing either to praise or to deprecate such a man. So he's not willing to say, I'm bad. And that's the worst thing. I mean, that's a negative pride. If somebody comes up to you and says, Look, I'm so bad, I'm terrible, it's awful, I can't, I can't speak. And then, then Robert says, but, 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 but Pastor Mark, you can, you can talk, you can talk. I mean, I say, I really can't, I'm not very good at speaking. And he, oh, but you can, you can, you can. I, I, I'm, no, I'm not, I, I use the negative to draw out the positive from him. You know, I say, okay, I can, I can speak somewhat. I don't need to draw it. I, just get a balance. I don't need to talk myself down to get you to praise me. I don't need to talk myself up to get you to bring me down. I need to just look at Jesus and focus on him. It's the best thing when it comes to it, hey? It really is, in Christendom, not about us. And it's not about us being the best we can or believing in ourselves or trying to be better than we, than we really are. It's, it's about being all that Jesus makes us to be. It's about becoming more like Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say to your neighbor, I want to see more Jesus in you. Now really, that is the bottom line for Christians. Because the word Christian means Christ-like. So when we really have a problem with somebody who says they're Christian is when we don't see Christ in the Christian. We see the Christian and we don't see Jesus. They act like the devil and not like Jesus. They act like somebody who's selfish and not like the selfless one. So this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. And I want you to read it. You can read it with me if you like. He himself... Gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till, listen to what it says, till we all come to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. This is, we, we, we're developing and growing into a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So each one of us are trying to grow up into being perfect, the perfect man, the perfect woman, who's just like Jesus. I mean, that's the end of the exercise. We are trying to become more like Jesus. Every day we put off more of ourselves and every day we put on more of Jesus in our lives. He says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. And if you don't understand that, get a dictionary and read that later because it's probably good for you to do that. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into all things, into him who is the head, Christ. So we've got to grow up into him. So if there's a goal, it's not self-actualization, it's Christ-actualization. The word actualize means becoming like you know, coming into fullness. I don't want to be the fullness of myself. I want to be the fullness of Jesus. So every situation that I face in life is going to tease something out of me. It's going to draw something out. It's going to either draw more of Mark or more of Jesus. It draws me to become selfish, self-centered, or selfless and spirit-filled. It draws from me Christ. In fact, I was commenting to a friend on, on we were talking about perfection this week on a, on a, on a text, and she, she said to me, well, one day, you know, I might not be so perfect. And um, in the text, I thought, the imperfections that we have are really a blessing from God, especially when I see them in you. 
You know why? Well, they draw from me a Christ response. You know, if I see an imperfection in Robert, I can criticize him and slander him and put him down and, and, and do nasty things, or I can pray for him and encourage him and help him and edify him, encourage him and admonish him, edify him, strengthen him. I could, it draws from me something. Imperfection draws from me. When, when I see imperfections in myself, it draws from me an understanding that I have to be more like Jesus, so I start to deal with those things. So imperfections are good because they, they tell you, now there's an opportunity for Jesus. So when you see the imperfections in people's life, say, oh, this is a great opportunity for me to be Christ-like to share with that person, to guide that person, to speak to that person. You know, it's a great opportunity for me to pray for that person. It's a wonderful opportunity for me to grow up, to be like Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 to 24, the same idea is carried through. It says, but you have not so learned Christ. It talks about um, being a little bit evil in the previous thing. He says, if indeed you have heard him, you have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off, that's like taking your coat off, put off your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to his deceitful lust, that's the you, everybody say, that's me, that's the me, I've got to put off the me, he says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that means I've got to change my mind, and put on the new man which is created according to to God in true righteousness and holiness, I have to put on Jesus. I have to put on Jesus. Become more like Jesus. So it's not the best me, but the best him. Everybody say that. It's not the best me, it's the best him. In life, when things are difficult, it's not the best me. I don't have to reach my best potential in the situation. I have to reflect the best of him in the situation. I, I, I was a builder, and one of the things that we used to do in building was we used to um, do concreting. And when you do concreting, you find that it's really straining and stressing. Carlos used to do concreting with me, didn't you, Carlos? And they were hard days. I mean, we would pour the concrete, and it, then the sun would come out and be very hot, and then the concrete would go off very fast, like that. And it's like, we have to finish it, and we have to work hard. And when the concrete goes off fast, you don't start and say, oh, it's just too hard, and I can't get the finish on it. You actually work harder so that you work harder and faster. So when it's hottest and it's feeling very painful, you have to now pull out everything you got and work harder to get the job. But if you stop, it will, it's, it's wrecked, it's ruined. So the very thing that you want to do is walk away from the you can't do it. You have to go in there. So the hardships in life, they draw, drew from us harder work in our lives to bring out a better outcome. It's like that. When the hardships hit us, they come for us life. You know, if you try and just remedy it with, oh, or walk away from an escape, you know, when I fight or I'm running away from it, or hardships are there so that you can develop Jesus in your life. They're there to perfect Jesus in your life. Hmm. I want a life that's comfortable. You probably won't have a life that develops Jesus. And God knows that hardship is good for you because he lets things happen to you that are hard and difficult. And then he watches you to see if you call for him for help. Because if you call for him to help, he is there immediately to help you, to strengthen you. He wants you to be the best you can be with him, not the best you can be in yourself. So it's selfless and more spirit-filled. It's I dies that Jesus may live. When it gets hard in the concrete, I want to get angry. I want to shout at people. I want to say, hurry up, get over there and do this. And I want to be mean to people around me because... I'm thinking it's their fault that we're not getting this done. I have to die to that. I say, you know what people need at this point of time is grace, encouragement to keep on going, not my mouth booting them 
and saying bad things to them to put them down because I'm struggling. That was sometimes the temptation. The temptation when it was really hard was to talk at people and blame them for the situation. What have you done this when I asked you to do it? We wouldn't be doing that. Get get the concrete behind me. Hurry up. Oh, you can't work the shovel. What's wrong with you? Hurry up. Dennis, going off. If it goes off, I'm not going to pay you. You won't be paid. You won't be paid. I'll punish you all because it's, it's your fault that it's going off. And you hear that. How many people work for a boss like that? Put your hand up. If you, if you work for a boss, you blame when, when things get tough, you know to hide somewhere because he's going to shout at you. Yeah. My son put his hand up. Wow. Go to my office. <laughs> hey, he's just joking, aren't you, Nathan? Aren't you no joking, are you, Nathan? <laughs> not the best me but the best him jesus said these words and i'm going to read them to you in john chapter 15 verses 4 to 8 abide in me you read it with me abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me i am the vine and you are the branches he who abides in me And I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do. Without me, you can do. Without me. How much can you do without Jesus? Nothing. Yeah, okay. Let's read on. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this the Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. Now, when Jesus said that, that comes in the context of a whole book. The context of the whole book is the book of John, the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is an amazing gospel. It's not like Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is writing it, and John is a different guy to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is the guy that is really close to Jesus. He's the closest friend to Jesus. The others took off, remember? When it came and he was getting crucified or getting uh, whipped, uh, Peter was there, but the others all took off. And then Peter was asked, you're one of them, and he took off too. He he denied Christ three times. The only person that stuck around was John. So John was there when through the hard times he was there. He was, he called himself, he was so faceless. He says, the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's it. That's how he, he didn't say, he didn't say like Paul, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the calling of God. No, no, no. John just says, John, the one whom Jesus loved. He's faceless. Doesn't talk about himself. In fact, when you read the book of John, What he's really trying to do, he's talking about Jesus all the time. He's talking about Jesus to try and help you understand who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. His saying was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. There was nothing. So he's talking about Jesus all the time. And as you read the book of John, you get an insight into Jesus that you would never have got before because John, who's his best buddy, is leaning upon Jesus' breast starts to talk to you about Jesus and tell you about Jesus. And in the book of John, I can't find it in the other books, but in the book of John, we see an account from Jesus' own mouth about how it is with him and the Father and what he does. You know, we often think, we can do it, you know, I can believe in myself, I can do it. Jesus wouldn't even say that about himself. He never said that he could do it. You would think that being the Son of God, coming from God, being God, the only begotten God, full of grace and truth, who came to earth, who'd lived and died, he knew all the the resources of God were within him. He was God in the flesh. And yet God in the flesh didn't say that he could do it. He didn't say, you look, I'm it. Here I am. I'm in the middle of all things. I am the source of all things, and I can do it. Just come to me, and I'll, I'll boom, I'll do it. You know what he says? This is consistent. And we're going to run through the book of John and we're going to show you how consistent it is because he is laying a pattern for you and I to follow. 
if Jesus said this and Jesus did this, then we ought to do what Jesus did and not think differently than Jesus, right? That's my thoughts. So Jesus said in 519, he says, Then Jesus answered them and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself. You can do nothing without Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm not doing anything without the Father. I can do nothing of myself. But what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also in like manner. So he, he's saying, look, I am not doing this because I can do this. I am doing this because I am living in a relationship with Father God and Father God is showing me. And because Father God is showing me, therefore I do. Because Father God tells me to speak, therefore I speak. I can do nothing of myself. I only do what Father God tells me to do. He says, if you want to know how to do what you have to do, you have to be in relationship with God. Because without him you can do nothing. John chapter 5, verse 30, these words, I can of myself do. This is Jesus speaking. This is red writing in your Bible. This is Jesus speaking. He spoke, he's saying, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. He says, I'm connected. I'm connected. That's, how, that's why I do. It's not I can do. I obey him who sent me. He's told me, therefore I do. This is foundational for Jesus. What else? John chapter 8, verse 20. We're going through John. This is how, I don't see this in the other Gospels. This is, this is typically John telling us about Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do, say it, yeah, nothing of myself. But as the Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. So he said again, this is Jesus the man who, who turned the water into wine. So why did he turn the water into wine? Because God told him to do it. Father God says, turn the water into wine. Okay, I'll turn the water into wine. He says, of myself I do nothing. He did not act in his own deity. He could have acted independently of God, but he can't be because he is with God and he is submitted to God. He says, Father God, I'm walking with you. This is what it's like. I want them to walk with you. I'm going to walk with you. You speak, I'll do. You empower me to do what you want me to do. I'm not doing nothing without you. Now, how many times do we do our lives and live our lives and we do it by ourselves because we think that's a good idea. And we don't even consult with Jesus to find out, well, that's what Jesus wants us to do. We do it ourselves, you know, because I can. I can do all these things. Get round to it and do it. We don't even talk to Jesus. And when it goes upside down, we say, oh, I better talk to Jesus about that. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. And Jesus probably said to you at the beginning, don't do it. John chapter 12. This is consistent. So what we see happening through this book then is it's like a theme. It's like an idea that runs through the book. For I have not spoken of my own authority, this is Jesus speaking, but the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. So here's Jesus. We're told in Isaiah chapter 50, morning by morning he wakens my, and this is, Isaiah the prophet prophesying about what it will be like for Jesus. Jesus is laying in bed. And he's laying in bed. He's woken from his sleep. Jesus is woken from his sleep. And Father God is speaking to him. Wake up, Jesus. I want to talk to you about the day. There's some things that are going to come across your path. You can't see them because you're confined with your mind now in the human body. And you can't see them. I'll tell you what's going to happen in the future. I'll relay that to you, Jesus. 
there's going to be a, a wedding and they're going to run out of wine. And I want you to do this. Your mother is going to come to you and say, and you're going to speak to her and you're going to, this is what I want you to do. Isaiah says, morning by morning, he wakens my ears to listen like one being taught. He gives me the words to encourage the weary. It says in Isaiah 50. So Jesus is listening and saying, Jesus is saying to Father God, Father God, what is it you want me to do today? You know, give me some insight on what's going to happen today. Give me some direction. You speak, I'll do. And I'll only do what you want me to do. I will do nothing of my own self. I will do what you want me to do, Jesus. So that's the picture. And now we have it here. We have it said. Jesus is given a command from Father God and he only says the things that Father God tells him to say. He only speaks the things that Jesus, that Father God tells him to speak. And I know what, that his command is everlasting. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. So look, here's the picture of the pattern. The pattern is you don't think yourself more highly than you ought. Stop thinking about that now and start saying, Jesus, it's what you say that counts here. It's what, Father, it's what you want me to do that counts here. It's not what I think is good for my career. It's not what I think is good for my finances. It's not what I think is good for my relationships. It's not what I think is good for my life. It's what you think is good for. What are you saying about my situation? What are you saying about my circumstances? What are you saying about my relationships? And what are you saying about my money? Because it's what you say they can. Apart from you, I can do nothing. So the pattern is set in Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to confine myself to this rule. And when I come, and you come to know me, you'll have a pattern to see how it should be with you. You know, all of the problems that we have in life is when we do not listen to his voice. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. It's not that you don't hear him, it's that you refuse to listen. That's the problem. The problem is that the, God will speak to you, your conscience will testify that that's not where you ought to be gone, but you refuse to listen. The problem is not that you don't hear him, the problem is that you refuse to listen to him. Jesus says, whenever the Father speaks... That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow that. Now think about your life. How independent are you of God? How independent do you live? Oh, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Or are you saying, Father, Father, what do you want? What is your will for my life? What do you want me to do? The pattern continues in John chapter 14, verse 8 to 11 says, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. So Jesus says, I'm going away, and, and, and he's talked to them, and he says, you know, you're in, and Philip says, Lord, just show us the Father. We want to see the Father. Listen to his words. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you, do not, you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? And why could Jesus say, he who has seen me has seen the Father? Why could Jesus say that? Why? Because he did nothing of his own initiative. He only ever did what the Father told him to do. Every word that he spoke was the Father's word. Every act that he did was the Father's act. Everything he did and showed in his life was an expression of the Father. And he says to Philip, how can you say, show us the Father? Haven't I been here with you all this time? I am eternal Father living in flesh. For unto us a child will be born. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father. Prophesied, the Everlasting Father, clothed in flesh, separated, but there. Amazing mystery. Amazing mystery. And he says to Philip, Philip, Philip. Everything you've seen me do, 
It is the Father. The fullness of the Godhead bodily was present in Jesus. He was the irradiance and the outshining and the glory of the Father in flesh. Everything that Jesus was is what Father God is. Everything he did was what Father God said. You know, here's the twist. Here's the crazy twist. It pays on. As Jesus was incarnated to earth to be a manifestation of the Father, he then says, you can be an incarnation of me. You can walk around and be Jesus to the people around you. You can be Christ to the people you meet. They can look at you and see the Father in you. They say, I don't know what it is about you, Alan, but there's something about you that's really... Man, what is it about you? You're just seeing the Father. You know, I hit that man and he turned his other cheek and I don't know what to do about that because I don't know why he turned his other cheek. He turned his other cheek because the Father told him to turn his other cheek. We didn't know what to do with that. We don't know how to handle that. We don't know how to handle it. He's not going to fight like other people fight. What do we do with that? What they're seeing is Jesus. That's your greatest opportunity. That's your greatest thing for you to shine Jesus, to become the reflection of Jesus in your world. Wherever you are, whatever circumstances you face, shining out the glory of Jesus out of your life. It's not you being a better you, it's you being Jesus. Oh, that I would die, that Jesus would shine through me. That I would die, that the life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave, that Jesus would be seen in me. I don't want me to be seen, I want Jesus to shine. I mean, the goal of my life is not be the best I can ever be. I don't look for self-actualization, I'm looking to actualize Jesus. I want Jesus in the flesh. I want Christ oozing out of my pores. My actions and reactions, every word and every speech. I want, I want not to be responding, reacting to fleshly things. I want to be responding to that voice of the Spirit of God who lives within me. I want to do nothing of my own initiative. I only want to do what the Father asks me to do. I want to be led by the Spirit. Because if I'm led by the Spirit, I want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. As it was for Jesus, he paid the pattern, he showed the pattern, he, he lived the pattern. So it is for us. John chapter 14, verses 8 to 11 says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or believe, or else believe me for the sake of the works for themselves, of themselves. You know, Jesus is saying, look, you've got you to deal with the problem of the miracles. You've got to deal with the problem of my life. You've got to deal with the problem of my words. Either God is there or there's a riddle you can't solve. He said, look, believe that the Father is present there. In John chapter 20, 14, verses 23, says, Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. That, well, keeping your word is actually listening to what Jesus would say and doing it. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home where? In him, with him. He who does not love me does not keep my word. So it's a love thing. This is Jesus loving the father. Wake up, Jesus. Uh, yeah, you know, man, it's, it's, it's early morning, man. It's... It, well, I'm looking at the stars and the stick on the ground and it says it's around about one o'clock in the morning. Father God, what are you doing waking me up this time in the morning? Jesus, I said you're on a mission. I want to talk to you, Jesus. Well, you know, you know, I don't love my sleep that much as much as I love you, so you just start talking because I'm a listening. He was loving the Father. When he responded to the Father to do the miracles, he was loving the Father. When he responded to the Father, you're the greatest testimony of his love. Look, Lord, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to die on the cross. I don't want to get the whipping and the beating. And the, but 
if there's any way, I don't want to take the sins of the world upon myself, but it's not me, it's you, it's your will. I want to do your will. Nevertheless, not my will be done. Yours be done. Not what I, I do nothing on my, you, you're the one. I want to reflect you. I love you so much, I'll reflect you. So he takes the beating for us and he takes the nails for us and he takes the death on the cross for us. Why? Why he takes the sin and it's covered and he's punished for our sins. Why? Because he loves the Father more. It's his love for the Father that's driving that whole thing. He loves us, but it's his love for the Father that takes him to it. Father, Father says, do it. I love you most. This is my expression of worship to you. I'll do it. Humanity bows to the, the divine. I'll do it. Oh, yeah, we get, the, uh, we get the, the, the offshoot of it. You know, we get the sins forgiven. We get to get to home to go with Jesus. And he says, you know, I'll come and live with you. And it can be the same for you as it was for me and Father God. It can be the same. Father God will speak to you. I'll speak to you. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. We'll come and live with you. And the word is, which you hear is not my word, but the Father who sent me. We'll come and we'll live inside of you and we'll be speaking to you. We'll be talking to you about the stuff that's going on in your life. And you have choices to make when you start hearing his voice. You never hear his voice, you've got no choice. How many people hear his voice? Put your hand up high if you hear his voice. How many people say, I don't know whether I hear his voice. I'm not sure about hearing his voice. If you don't know, aren't you? Okay. How many people know the voice of conscience? Put your hand up right high if you know what is right and wrong. Everybody's got that. You got that much then. You got that much then. If you don't know when he's saying to you, it's time to part the waters and walk across the Dead Sea, you can't hear that much, but you can hear, hey, you know you shouldn't be sleeping with that guy. You got that much? You hear his voice that? You know it's wrong to steal from whomever you're stealing from? It's wrong. You know it's wrong to tell lies. Lying is the language of the devil. That's his language, lying. It's wrong to tell lies. If you don't feel a conscience about that, mm, have a look real good deep inside because if you don't feel a conscience about lying, you ought to feel a conscience about lying. You're in a seriously bad place if your conscience is dead. But if you've got a conscience, you're already hearing it, don't, don't harden your heart because you've got that much, start following the voice of the Spirit who's speaking to your conscience. That's the beginning. Oh, he'll tell you other things too. It's just not what you shouldn't do, it's what you should do. It's just not sins of commission, it's sins of omission and commission. What are you omitting to do what you should be doing? You know, you decided to sleep this morning and get up and pray. You woke up, you thought, I should really pray, and you didn't decide not to. You got a nudge inside, he spoke to you, get up and pray, and you decided, oh, the bed is too warm, good night. <laughs> not a good place to live. Not like Jesus, you see. John chapter 17, verses 14 to 17, and listen to these words. He says, I have given them your word, and the, the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not in the world, just as I am not in the world. Sanctify them, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, listen to this word. I have also I also send them into the world. Now listen, that's the that's the bit Okay, Jesus wants us to go into the world. No, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. As you sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. So how did Jesus get sent into the world? Okay, they have a little talk up in heaven and Jesus says, you know, we've got to do something about this stuff that's going down on earth. You know, the devil has really made a big mess down there. Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to clothe myself with flesh and I'm going to go down there, Father God. And Father God says, that's a good idea. You go down there. And Father God says, I've got to punish them for their sin. I'm going to wipe them out. Jesus says, I love them. I created them. I don't want you to kill them, okay? I know the riggers of hell are going to be bad. I know it's going to be terrible for them if they go to hell. You know what I'll do? I'll clothe myself with flesh. I'll stand in for them. You punish me, Father God. I'll live perfectly. You punish me for their sin. And I'll give them grace and love and forgiveness 
and mercy if they believe in me. Okay, says Father God, do that. But you cannot do anything of your own initiative. You have to follow my instruction the whole time. Because when you get into the earth, you've got to be human, human, as well as God, God. But the secret to be human, human, and connected with God is to listen to God and do what he says all the time. So when Jesus comes into the earth, he comes in, and he, at a little baby, he gets to discern good and evil, and he chooses good, not evil, it tells us. Listening from a very young age. He grows up, he sits down at 12 years old, he's sitting down with the, 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 the Pharisees and he's debating and they're talking about the house of God and he's talking and debating with them and he says, this is my father's house. He knows who he is at 12 years old. He understands that he's God in the flesh at 12 years old. He's aware of it all. He's listening to the father. Well, as you send me into the world, now I send them into the world. What was the relationship that God sent Jesus? He said, Jesus, go down there, but you listen and keep listening and don't ever stop listening to me. So he says to you, now I'll send you into the world. You listen, you keep listening, don't ever stop listening to me. Don't do anything of your own initiative. Jesus is the incarnation of God, the Father, here on earth. We are sent out now from Jesus, the incarnation of Christ, others about us we are a light we are the salt what are you doing playing with junk what are you doing living in the wrong place with your head what are you doing watching the wrong stuff this is not jesus this is the flesh you know as jesus was sent into the world to save the world so he sends us into the world to save the world the relationship is exactly the same you can't do anything, Mark, on your own. You need me. Do what I tell you to do. It's clear. Follow his instruction. Don't harden your voice to him. Listen to him. Walk in the spirit. Live in the spirit. Keep your mind on the spirit. The mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. See, the bottom line... The bottom line is, it's not about actualizing yourself. It's about becoming more like Jesus. That's the bottom line. The big lie is that you are something independent to Jesus. That's the big lie. That you can find who you are in life, standing on your little trophy and say, here I am, this is me. And everybody sits there, oh, we worship you, oh, great you. That's the big lie. That you are some, you know... If there's anything in me that's worthy of praise, if there's anything in me that's worthy of honor, if there's anything in me that's worthy of admiration, if there's anything in me that's worthy of saying, well, that's good. You know what? It's not me. It's Jesus in me. I really couldn't give a fig about anything else. You say, well, Mark is really loving. You know why I love you so much? He says, Mark is very patient. You know why I'm so patient? Love and patience are not Mark reads fruit. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit's fruit in my life. Sensitivity and awareness to be able to speak into somebody else to see a situation. How did you know that? How did you see that? I'm cheating. I don't know anything. I got it from the Father. If I come and talk to you about something that's hidden in your life and you say, how did you know that was hidden in my life? I don't know. Jesus told me and I'm listening to Jesus. You see, we get so, oh, he's a great guy. We sit and we put him up on a pedestal and then he does something wrong. We go, oh, look at that man, he's done something wrong. Come on. We want to become more like Jesus. We want to reflect more of Jesus. The big lie, being the best I can be, it's being the best me. Self-act, big lie. Everybody's saying it. Find yourself. Be yourself. Find out who you really are. You know, stand up for yourself. That's the big lie, the hidden truth. For us as Christians, we want to be changed into his likeness. That's the truth. At the end of my life, if you're going to write something, if you're, we live that long, I might die tomorrow. If I die today or tomorrow, 
Don't freak out. Just, just the human man that's gone. Jesus will raise up someone else for the body. Jesus is in control of his body. So if the, the human man dies tomorrow, some of you are freaking out because I say that. Don't freak out. Listen to me. Everything that Jesus is, is what I want to be. And if you can write on the stone, if there's a stone, if you can find me, this book, it was like Jesus. That's the best. That's the best. Because <laughs> when I walk through the front gates of heaven, because I'm not going around the back door, I'm going through the front gates, I'm hoping that those front gates will swing open wide. I'm not walking there. I did it. I'm coming in there like this. I couldn't have done it without you, Jesus. If you give me a crown, I'm going to put the crown back on the floor because it's all you, Jesus. It's not me. It wasn't me from the beginning. It wasn't me from the start. You called me out of darkness. You put me on the place. You gave me something of spirit within me. You gave me light when I was in darkness. You gave me life and hope. and You gave me strength. It's not me. It's all of Jesus. Well, how do you keep on going? I don't keep on going. I just do what Jesus tells me to do. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. And if we get our heads there and say, oh, if everybody here said it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. We just live like that, living for Jesus, reflecting Jesus. You know, you would not be able to contain what God would do in this place. Because he is more desirous. He is more desirous to reflect his glory and his power through your life than you are even aware of what he wants to do. He wants to pour himself out through us. It's not about you. It's about him. It's what he wants to do. It's what he wants to do. Are you ready to give up now and say, you know, I've, I've been talking about what I want in life and my plans and my visions and my dreams. I don't even think I asked Jesus what he wanted me to do. I've been passed out by God. I've been asked him if that's what he thinks is a good idea. I just assumed that I had the right to do whatever I want. As... I have been sent into the world, he said, so I send you. I want to be full of him. Amen? Let's stand. You may have been deceived for a while about your own importance. When people hurt you, you get protective of yourself. When people exploit you, you put a wall up around yourself. When people say things about you, you harden up on the inside to protect yourself. Listen, friend. It's what Jesus wants in your life. When that stuff happens to you, he says, let me be there to deal with it. You don't have to deal with that stuff alone. We put our protections up to protect ourselves because we fear that somebody could hurt us if we don't protect ourselves. Listen, put Jesus there and let him protect you. Put Jesus in the middle of your life. If Jesus is not in the middle of your life, and you will know it because the Holy Spirit will say to you right now as I'm speaking, you'll feel it in your conscience, you'll feel it in your spirit, I am not in the center of your life. If you're feeling that Jesus is not in the center of your life, it's just all about you at this particular point in time, and you want to change that and put Jesus in the center of your life, I want you to respond, put your hand up, and say, okay, it's been a, all my life has been about me at this point in time, and I want Jesus to be the center. I want, just put your hand up and let Jesus see your hand. Jesus, be the center of my life. Jesus, be the core of me. Jesus, be the one who speaks to me, Jesus, I will follow and answer you with a yes. 
Father, you see these hands that are raised. Lord, many of them are young people, Lord. Some of them are older, Father, but you're touching their hearts and you're speaking to them right now. Lord, you see this commitment they're making to you now of asking you to be the center of their lives, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord Jesus, that from this day on they will hear you clearly, Father. That when, they, that when you speak, Lord Jesus, they will do nothing of their own initiative, that they will seek your face. They will ask your advice, Lord Jesus. They would knock on your door, Lord Jesus, and ask you to seek them and lead them and guide them, Father, and they would be led by you, Father. Do wonderful and miraculous things through their lives, we pray. Lord, lead them where no one else would lead them. Show them the stuff that no one else is showing them, Father. Open, Lord Jesus, their eyes and their minds to your ways, Lord Jesus. Lead them in your path, Lord Jesus. Guide them by your footsteps, Lord Jesus. Lord, let them be your people, Lord Jesus. Men and women called by your name, Lord Jesus, reflecting your character in every situation. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Right now, let the blessing of a double portion rest on them, Lord Jesus. Right now, Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. So overflow them, Lord Jesus, that from this day on, they will never be the same again. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.